Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Vessel Collective Church. I am so thankful uh, that you are here, and I am so thankful for Church at Home, and I am so thankful that this is our last week of Church at Home as we know it. Uh, As you were here last week, I mentioned, I shared some kind of updates on what we're doing, some updates of what about us coming together and gathering again on Sunday mornings, and some updates of our church at home ministry that the Lord has birthed out of all of this pandemic unexpectedly for all of us and most importantly me. Um, But I want to reiterate that this morning is that while this is the last Sunday that you will have the opportunity to see Gary's beautiful fireplace and his his nondescript painting over the fireplace, uh, that we will continue this ministry of church at home not just for the next few months and the next few weeks, uh, but for the, for the long-term future. We have been so thankful that of the many blessings that have come out of this, church at home is one of those things. And so uh, thank you so much for making that happen. Uh, and, and we have seen and been so encouraged by people joining, by people participating, by people sharing, by people inviting, by people um, just making fellowship possible where it felt like it was impossible. So with that said, next Sunday, this next Sunday, June 7th, we are having our very first service back together on Sunday morning at the Chasco Family YMCA. Um, If you follow us on social media, uh, on Facebook, on our Instagram, if you go to our website this week, if you get our newsletter, we're going to be putting out a lot of information about what that process is going to be and what it's going to look like. So please, please be looking for that and stay tuned. Um, most importantly, as, and, and I won't get into all the details about that, about the distancing, about the things and the steps that we're taking to fall in lines with what the Attorney General of the State of Texas is asking of us. But I will say this, and I think it's the most important thing, is that we want to empower and encourage every person to come when you're ready. We know that different people have different circumstances, that different people uh, have different reasons for why they may or may not be able and be ready to come back and to gather with other people on Sunday morning. Uh, I think if you look this week, you're going to really feel confident about what we're doing and the steps that we're taking uh, to help limit the spread of, of any germ or the coronavirus or any disease and the steps that we're taking to prevent that, uh, that fall in line with what's been suggested to us. So stay tuned for that, uh, and we want to encourage you of that. So church at home will continue, but next Sunday, rather than uh, having us recording our message throughout the week, putting together and putting it live on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., is that we will be having a live stream. And so our services at the gym is going to be live. So things are going to look very different. Uh, and I would ask for grace and all of that, as there's been so much grace in this process so far, as that, that as soon as we feel like we've really figured out um, putting together, streaming, uploading these services on YouTube and Facebook, uh, we, we have the opportunity to go back and to do that live and to begin putting effort and energy into doing it on Sunday morning. So we are going to be live on Facebook at 10 a.m. 
uh, the exact time that our church starts. We are asking you, if you are participating with church at home, to please continue to be um, to continue to be active, to share it, to comment, to let us know that you're there. We're going to have someone there on Sunday mornings uh, that is helping create that community online. And our services on Sunday morning, we don't want it to feel like you're just watching a service, that you're a fly on the wall. We want you to feel a part of it uh, at, with church at home. And so we're going to be try our very best uh, to have the value of engagement and participation and making you feel like you belong, even if you're watching through a computer or on a phone or wherever you are. And then we're going to be uploading our service later that Sunday afternoon on YouTube. So I uh, just want to give you an update on there. And so it's been crazy as we've been on this journey. Gary mentioned it at the front during worship this morning, but talking about and considering how good God is and all the little details that he has lined up for, um, for this just to be a kingdom win and to be honoring and glorifying to him in everything that we do. And so Gary mentioned just like the little detail that's an encouragement of uh, Shay and Jessica and Gary leading worship, that they were at our very last service when we were at the YMCA, it was that team of three. And it's funny because I tell Gary, it's Gary and the girls. So when it's Gary, Shay Shay and Jessica, I'm like, oh, it's Gary and the girls. And the problem is, is that, oh, Shay Shay and Jess are both, tall and gorgeous and beautiful and not that Gary's not gorgeous but on Sunday mornings you know he's got to be careful because especially if they start wearing heels and then Gary's standing right between these two tall gorgeous girls that um, he's forgettable in that moment as as talented as beautiful as those two are so Gary and the girls uh, ended our last service when we were at the YMCA before going into church at home and it is ending our last service here with, with, uh, at the living room of Gary's house. Another little detail that might encourage you is that um, when Gary moved into his home, uh, one of his big prayers was, and he moved into this place, he, he just prayed that the Lord would make this uh, a house of worship, a house of prayer, a place of kingdom work and kingdom activity. And I think when he prayed that years ago, he probably didn't imagine that we would literally be having church in his living room. But, um, man, what a huge answer prayer. Interesting enough is Gary is moving out. Is that he's lived in this home for these years. He's prayed this prayer. He's been faithful to walk with the Lord and be obedient to what God's called him to do. And sure enough, as we wrap up church at home, we go back to the YMCA uh, Gary is going to begin packing up his home and he's going to, he's moving to, he's staying in the area, but he's moving to a new home and just like the perfection of God and his, his faithfulness. And that's amazing. Another, uh, interesting detail that, and I, I promise you, we could not have planned this, but this next Sunday, when we gather again, it's the first Sunday in June, it's June 7th. That is officially our one year anniversary of being a church, a vessel collective church being a church and it's amazing we could not have planned that to think that and when we started this journey one year ago that we would go through all this and we would see the lord bless and flourish our church despite these crazy and unprecedented circumstances so to think that we're going to be back there sunday morning for our very first service on our one-year anniversary. And so there's just thing after thing after thing after thing, and I get the best seat in the house, honestly, because I get to hear all the stories. Uh, and so I just want you to know the Lord is in it. The Lord is in this. 
He's been in this every step of the way. And as we come back together and as we faithfully and prayerfully and carefully begin to gather again as a body, the Lord is in it. And, and at the same time, we are ending our series on the first days is that, that as we wrap up this Sunday, and that was always the plan as we did the, the, the last days of Jesus and the first days of the church, the, the plan was to end it at the end of May. And it's appropriate that this is the last day of us filming here at Gary's house. Ironically, or maybe not so ironically, today, if you look at the liturgical calendar, today is the day that we celebrate Pentecost. It's Pentecost Sunday. And I grew up in a church uh, that was a traditional church that, that celebrated and remembered all those liturgical days beyond just uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas morning and um, Easter and those, you know, really traditional ones that we all know. But there's many more days. And the day of Pentecost, the Sunday of Pentecost, is 50 days after Easter. That if you know the way Scripture goes, that Jesus was crucified, buried, resurrected three days, and before his ascension, he spent, he spent time with his disciples, 40 days with his disciples. And after his ascension, they waited 10 days, which makes 50 days, which puts today as the day of Pentecost, which is really the birth of the church. And so to think like how perfectly this is lining up. And as we wrap up this series today, I'm just so encouraged by what God's done. So this today, as we wrap up, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. And this is one of my favorite scripture and stories in all of scripture and definitely one of my favorite in Acts. But it's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And so if you've heard this story before, um, you know why I love it. If you haven't, in about 30 minutes, you're going to know why I love it. And you're going to love it too because this is this beautiful testimony of the gospel at work and really the church at work and to begin to see fruit from this first days of this church. And so as we wrap up today, I taught him my message, The Perfect Storm. And really what it is, is what we get to see and what I want us to focus on this morning is to look at, we've been talking for, for multiple weeks about all these things about the first days, about the early church, the Holy Spirit, their faithfulness, God raising up leaders, them doing ministry together, them caring for one another, all these things that we feel and that Scripture tells us are foundational for His body, that are foundational for the church. And we see here in Acts 8, when all of those things come together, in, in perfect unity and in a way to honor and glorify Jesus Christ and the ministry of Jesus that we continue in, that we talked about, when we see all those things come together, Acts 8 is a story of what it looks like. It's to see when, when, when these foundational things are set into place and that God blesses his church in these ways to see the gospel continue forward. And it is a beautiful story of the first day of the church. And I want you to know, Vessel, I want this to be a story of the vessel. I want, and my prayer, my heart, and my belief is that this is what God wants to do with Vessel Collective Church. That in every one of your Bibles, you will be able to write the vessel right at the top of this page. And you will read this story. And it will, it will remind you and look like what God is doing in our church. And so that is really our focus. And I want to encourage you, 
church, to really pay attention to the words. I'm really just going to read through this story. I don't have a ton this morning. Um, And I want you to look at how all of these pieces of the last several weeks, how all of them come into play and what happens with the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So let me pray and we're going to jump into it. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for what you've done. I thank you, Jesus, that like we've already stated this morning and reflected on that you're in this. God, this wasn't a surprise to you that, that, that you weren't left wondering what to do. God, but you had purpose and you had value even in these difficult, trying, hard times and circumstances. I thank you for you how you've worked through the vessel. God, I thank you for church at home and what a blessing it's been. God, I thank you selfishly in my life for the, for the ways that I've seen you active and at work in me and around me and in my family. God, I pray right now as we read this story of Philip and the Ethiopian unit, God, would you just stir in our hearts, not just that we would get to see what you're doing, God, but would you stir up a passion in us to be this church, God, to be a kingdom-minded church that we would take our mission to be vessels of the living Christ set apart for your purpose in your kingdom. Seriously, God, that that wouldn't be a line, that that wouldn't be just a sentence, that wouldn't be an idea, but that would be something that we're passionate about and that we go after with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, God, so that people will know who you are. God, so people will hear about what you've done, that we will be gospel people. We will be people, Jesus, that live the gospel. God, people that love the gospel and people that share the gospel. God, I pray that you move right now in our homes. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. So if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. I would love and encourage you, like as I do every Sunday, but even more so now, to read along with us as this is uh, just really good stuff. And so we see this interaction between Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. And so, uh, like I said, we're going to look at and point out kind of the things that we've talked about and how they come to life in this story. And so the first one is, if you were here last week, and our first thing that we see here in the story is that the going gets tough. And it's interesting that we start with the hard and that we see that first in this story. As we talked last week uh, about Acts chapter 5, and we saw the persecution of the church. We saw the disciples and the followers of Jesus Christ being in suffering for his namesake and for the gospel. And we even saw sin that was rising up within the church and how they dealt with that. And so it starts by right here, we see that the going gets tough. So to set this scene up and this interaction up, you can look back at the beginning of chapter 8, and beginning in verses 1 through 3, it says this, it says, And Saul approved their killing of him. This is Stephen. If you know Stephen, Stephen is the first of many martyrs in Scripture and many martyrs in the, in, the, in the book of Acts that most of these guys gave their lives for the gospel. And we're reminded of things are hard. And so Stephen is just stoned. Stephen is just martyred. And it says Saul of Tarsus, who we all know becomes Paul, and read ahead in Acts, uh, in the book of Acts, and you can hear the amazing testimony and salvation of Paul to take someone that hated Jesus and hated the gospel more than any to someone that wrote uh, a majority of the New Testament. So Acts 1 says that, and Saul of Tarsus approved of their killing him. 
That is, that is Stephen. So we see that they're losing their life for the gospel. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. If you remember last week, we talked about the churches being persecuted persecuted. And now we see here in chapter 8, it says it's not just a persecution, but a great persecution is breaking out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Uh, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. And so we see here when we get into uh, Acts chapter 8, we see this great persecution that's happening against the church. We see, and it says here that that the people and the apostles and the church has been scattered. And we know what that's like. You know, during this time, uh, I've I've been able to have the opportunity to see what lots of different churches are doing. uh, And it's been really sweet, and I've enjoyed that. And so there's a church in Round Rock, uh, Redeemer Round Rock, and they're kind of the way they're communicating what's happening is they, they call it the church scattered. And I love that that idea about us being scattered throughout the city because it seems like when we're scattered, it divides. But you see here how God uses that scattering for his kingdom. It says all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And then they, they're mourning Stephen. They're going through really difficult times. And it says... Saul began to destroy the church. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Ultimately, what the Lord, I mean, what the enemy wants, what the devil wants is to destroy the church. So this is a reiteration of last week. We see right in the beginning before this interaction, we see the going getting tough for these disciples. And I want you to know that when things get hard for the church, it means that God is moving. That it is typically, and you're going to see here the sign, that God is doing something miraculous, that God is doing something for his kingdom, but because of their persecution, because it's getting tough. So first and foremost, right here, just before we even get into it, I want you to know that the going has gotten tough for these guys, that it has been difficult. And so beginning in beginning verse 26, we meet this man and we meet Philip. Now, you may, uh, and I want you to know who this is. Week two, we talked about this idea of a shared ministry. No, that was the first week. Excuse me. The very first week of this series in Acts chapter one, we talked about this idea of a shared ministry and about the faithfulness of these disciples gathering in the upper room and God raising up leaders. And so here in Acts eight, we meet Philip and we actually meet him in Acts six. Now, many people confuse this person to be one of the apostles' name was Philip, but this is not Philip the apostle. This is uh, someone commonly known or affectionately called Philip the evangelist. So if you know me, I see myself as an evangelist. I love Philip the evangelist. He's like a hero to me. And so we meet this guy, Philip, and we first see him in Acts 6. And I want you to see what it says about him as God is raising up leaders within the church. In Acts uh, chapter 6, talking about them, it's actually the first time that we have a mention of someone who's a deacon. And so Philip is one of these deacons in the early church that's raised up. Acts 6, 3 says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and full of wisdom, full of the spirit and full of wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and ministry of the world. This uh, proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, 
who was just martyred in stone, a man of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip. And it mentioned some other names there, but we see that that is the first time that we're introduced to Philip and Stephen at the same time. So um, if someone ever asks you to be a deacon in a church, you ought to be very careful because Stephen was number one and he didn't make it until the end of chapter seven before he gave his life for the kingdom. But we see Philip raised up here. And it's a reminder of this idea of a shared ministry that God is raising us up, that he is raising up people at the vessel to lead, to not just be a part, to not just watch at home, to not just listen, to not just grow in their own faith, but to grow the kingdom of God. And I want you to know that is you. That is me. That is you. That God is looking for people that didn't exist a year ago at the vessel, that weren't even here, that have found us through church at home, that have come along. And God is not just wanting you, and he's not wanting your life just for your own salvation. He is, wants to raise leaders up for his kingdom and his purpose. And I'm telling you, church, right now, the future leaders of the vessel are not the current leaders of the vessel. That God is never done. That for our church to truly grow, truly flourish, that, that we've got to have disciples and followers of Jesus that will raise their hand and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Your will be done in my life, not for my own sake, not for my own salvation, but for the sake of the world. And we see God continually to do this. So here we get to Acts 8, and Philip is a part of what God is doing in this early church. He wasn't there in Acts chapter 1. And where, where he, he found salvation, where he heard the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, we don't know. Was it in Acts chapter 2 when, when Peter first preached and 3,000 people were baptized? Was it just a few chapters later in Acts 5 when these guys are being thrown into prison in the Sanhedrin and 2,000 people come that day? Where did he come in this line? But somewhere between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 8, we meet Philip. And we get to see God raising him up. Saul of Tarsus, just a few chapters later, a few by one chapter later, chapter nine, becomes Paul. That God is not done raising up leaders. God is not done with the work that he's doing in our church. And what he wants to do through the vessel is raise us up. And I want you to know, if you are hearing my voice and seeing my, my eyes, that I am looking at you because that's what scripture says. He says the shared ministry is a ministry to be shared with you, that it's not my job because I'm paid because I have the title pastor, but it, it's a ministry to be shared with you that I, before all this, I was a PE teacher. And if there's PE teachers out there, it's a wonderful, lovely job and it's worth your life because I, I, I know kids that I coached and that I taught in, in class that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. doesn't mean that you've got to have a job in ministry. It doesn't mean that you've got to be paid by the church. It doesn't mean that you've got to have some sort of deacon role or elder role or leader role. But it's you that he's talking about. So not only do we see the right here this that the going gets tough, we see this is a shared ministry. He raises up Philip. And so beginning in 26, and, and I'm just going to read through this story, rather reading the entirety of this story of Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm going to read through it, and we're going to talk as we go. Um, so beginning in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord appeared or said to Philip, so an angel comes to Philip. He says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury 
of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. And so here we see Philip and we introduce him in this story. And that if you remember in week three, we talked about the idea of a holy gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we see that here. We see this holy gift. Philip had a thriving, amazing ministry where he was. But beginning in verse 26, it says, Now an angel Lord said to Philip, Go south to this road. And verse 7 says, So he started out. He didn't question. He didn't plan it out. This wasn't Philip sitting down saying, Man, I really need to go and become this evangelist, and i got to go and find people that are far from Jesus, and I've concocted this great plan, and I have these tracks printed out, and I'm ready, and I'm, I'm going to have this plan. I'm going to go evangelize the nation and evangelize this, this Ethiopian eunuch. No, it says that the angel Lord came to him, told him to go, and he went. He didn't find an excuse. He didn't say, are you sure, Lord? I've really got a great ministry here. There are great things that happen. He was obedient, and we're reminded of the gift of the Holy Spirit, which enables us to do ministry, but it doesn't just enable us to do ministry. It guides us in that ministry that it's doing. God is not giving you a spiritual gift. God is not filling you up to be a vessel so that you can go and do his work. God is using you as a tool to go and do that. If we read further along, it says that the Spirit, if we go, if we go further along in verse 29, it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. What did Philip do? Verse 30, it says Philip ran. He ran up to that chariot. And I imagine this chariot going along this desert road. There's no one there. Scripture tells us that this is a road that is less traveled. And it says that the Spirit told Philip, go up to that chariot, and Philip runs. So I wonder, man, is that us? When the Spirit tells us to move, when the Spirit tells us to go talk to a neighbor, to pray for someone, to engage someone in a conversation, are we people that twiddle our thumbs and hesitate and say, like, Lord, can't you find somebody else? Are we, like, are we so eager to be obedient and faithful to that that we run after it? So we see here at the beginning of the story this reminder of a holy gift. The next thing that we see, it's a reminder of things we talked about. Week, week six, we talked about the advancement of the gospel. Week six, we discussed the advancement of the gospel. And that's the fourth thing that we see here. And we looked at Acts 4 about our call. Every one of us are called to spread the gospel and this idea of the gospel being good news. And I pray beforehand, and that is why I'm praying for the vessel right now. I'm, I'm praying that we are gospel people. I'm praying that if you call the vessel your home and people know that this is where the part of the, the church that you're a part of, that they would identify you as someone who is passionate about the gospel, someone who lives the gospel, someone who wants to talk about the gospel because the gospel is good news. It is good news and the opportunity for us to share it is incredible. And so we see there again in verse 30, it says, then Philip ran up to the chariot. The spirit prompted him. He was faithful and he runs up to the chariot. And heard the man was reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Verse 31, this is how the eunuch replies. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. 
And isn't that amazing? Because of his obedience, he gets there at this perfect moment in time, not just because it was planned out, not by happenstance, because God ordained it. And out of his faithfulness, he arrives at this moment and he hears him reading Isaiah chapter 53. He says, do you know what you're reading? Do you, do you know the good news that it is talking about? And this eunuch replies, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And I want you to know, and man, we could go down a rabbit trail right now and in this moment, is I want you to think about who is this Ethiopian eunuch? Who is this person? First of all, he's a foreigner. It says he's traveled a great distance. His trip to come to Jerusalem was not a couple-day trip, wasn't a, you know, a week-long trip. This was a multi-month trip that he has traveled a great distance to come to the holy city. He is a foreigner, someone who's different than Philip, someone who grew up different, has got different experiences. We also know that he's a man of great wealth. He has a chair, and he is reading Isaiah 53. He's reading it out loud. He is not driving the chariot. He is not on his phone texting and driving at the same time. He is reading out loud. He has a driver. He's a man of great wealth. He's a, a bit of a, um, not a politician, but he works for the, the queen of Ethiopia. He's the treasurer. He holds an office. But not only that, is this Ethiopian eunuch is a spiritual outcast. He is a spiritual outcast. Uh, we, with church at home, we have, uh, this is every weekend's family worship. If you're like us, we've got kids with us this morning. But you need to go and research if you don't know what a eunuch is. If you don't know what it means that this man was a eunuch. It doesn't say he's just an Ethiopian treasurer. It says he's an Ethiopian eunuch. And he is a spiritual outcast. Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter into the assembly of God. If you want to know more directly what that scripture says, you should go and read the New Living Translation. You can find it on your Bible app or search on the internet. Deuteronomy 23.1. If you want to know more specifically what it means to be emasculated by crushing or cutting is that that is who this man is. That is who this eunuch is. In Old Testament scripture and law says that he can't enter into the assembly of the Lord. He is a spiritual outcast. He is excluded, and the Jewish people see him as unclean. So for Philip to climb up into the chariot and to be with him is significant because most Jewish people would not have done that. Most Jewish people would not have taken that step. But Isaiah 56, if you're going to see here, this eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53. Three chapters later, Isaiah 56. And remember, the book of Isaiah is a prophecy is what to come. It's prophesying about Jesus Christ. It's prophesying about the kingdom of heaven that we all know to be true and the gospel of Jesus. Isaiah 56 says this. Verse 1 says, this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right for my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Further along in verse 4 it says, for this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose to please me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. You see that even as a spiritual outcast, that the, the eunuch 
as this person that was considered unclean, that this per person that was considered not acceptable by Jewish people, that Jesus came to make a way for even that person. And I want you to know, church, that that is our call to advance the gospel. It is not just so that we can grow closer, so that we can know more. It is so that the gospel can move forward where it's never been before. It can move forward where it's never been before. This past week, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with a neighbor, and it's somebody, and a neighbor and a friend. It's somebody that we live near, that lives in our cul-de-sac, who is a, the sweetest, kindest guy, and we've become friends over the years. And this past week, I got to share the gospel with him and just tell him the truth about Jesus Christ. And man, it was incredible. But as I began to tell him, he, he asked questions. He wondered, and I was amazed at the questions he asked. And as we were talking, he, he said, well, where, where does, where does, um, where does, um, when you reincarnated, he's like, at what point are we reincarnated? Where does reincarnation come into this? And I was like, that's not, that's not in scripture. That's not true. That you are beautifully, wonderfully made. You're created in the image of God and you are worth his blood on the cross for who you are. And while there's sin in you, there is goodness in you as well. And God loves you so much that he doesn't want to reincarnate you. He doesn't want to reinvent you. That he wants to purchase your life and purchase your salvation so that you can be with him for eternity because of how he made you. And like, man, I thought like, he's my friend and my neighbor and he's never heard the truth. He didn't understand the idea of receiving Christ. He thought, oh, so everyone's forgiven? Like, no, you got to open that gift. So we take for granted. We walk through our lives and we walk through our day and we walk down the, the halls of our work and the halls of our homes and we, we assume that they know the truth. We assume that they have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And you're wrong. We are wrong. And I want us to be people that are not afraid to climb up into a chariot with someone, that aren't afraid to walk across the cul-de-sac, that aren't afraid to, when we tuck our kids in bed at night, to tell them, do you know how much Jesus loves you? Do you know what he did for you? Next, we see and we're reminded of a continued ministry. In week four, in week four, we talk about, we looked at Acts 3 and about Peter and John going in this temple gate called Beautiful, and they continued in the name of Jesus Christ, doing the ministry that Jesus started. So our, the, the last thing we're looking at this morning is this idea of a continued ministry. Acts 8, verse 32, as we continue on this story, Philip climbs up, he begins to tell him. Verse 32, it says, this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his, in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. Verse 34, the, the eunuch looks at Philip and he asks this question. Please tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus Christ. And here he is, and he's reading the scripture. He doesn't know what it's talking about. It's talking about this, this lamb that was slain. As we all know, uh, John chapter 1, and, and uh, John the Baptist coming before Jesus, pronouncing the coming of the lamb that was to be slain. And he's reading Isaiah 53, and he, he says, who is it talking about? It says that Philip 
began with this very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus Christ, tells him the gospel of Jesus. So as we close, I want you to think about that, and I want you to consider, and, and not just for you, but for us as a vessel. I want us to look inwardly for just a moment because this is nothing but outward ministry. But for a moment, I want us to take a, take a second to look back and look inwardly and ask ourselves, are we continuing the ministry of Jesus Christ? Are we gospel people? Are we people that take this book or, and put it on the shelf until we need it again and leave it up there and when, when we're desperate for God to do something in our lives or for us or to answer our prayer and we go about our day and we have something difficult, we get off the shelf, we find on Sunday morning, we think, okay, this is good. Let me blow this thing off and, and, and dust it off and break it back out. Are we people that take this into the world? Are we people that, that, that arm ourselves with the gospel every single day that we walk forward with good news of Jesus Christ? And when we walk out of the house, we don't leave without this. I'm not talking about literally taking your book. I'm talking about taking your life in Jesus Christ, taking the gospel with you wherever you go. And friends, we are called to continue the ministry of Jesus. And if the Spirit says go, then we run. And if someone who is different than us, that doesn't look like us, that doesn't believe like us, invites us to sit with them in their chariot, we sit with them in the chariot. When they say, tell me the good news, that we share the good news of Jesus Christ, that we tell them what Jesus did for them and the truth about this book. We continue in that ministry. And finally, as we close this morning, we're going to close with a worship song. I want you to look at how this story ends. It says that Philip tells him the good news about Jesus Christ. Verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water where the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Philip said, verse 37, if you believe in your heart, then you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. Right then and there, that gives me goosebumps. I want that to be a story of the vessel. I want all these things to be true about us. I want us to stand on these foundational things as church so we can continue the ministry forward. Because, friends, that is what God is calling us to do. That is what he birthed in his church 2,000-some-odd years ago. That is what he has birthed in the vessel in the past 12 months. It's for us to be gospel people. They stop, and he sees water. What is to stop me from being baptized right now? In this very moment, don't let me go talk to my wife. Don't let me think about it a little bit more. Don't let me read up a little bit more. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that lived a perfect life, that came down and died for my sins, and I received that gift. It is like giving a gift to someone. The difference between a child receiving a gift, I, won't, I don't want to say it, a begrudging old man because that sounds judgmental against all you old men out there. But again, somebody has got it all and says, no, thanks, I don't need that gift. A child, when they get a gift, they, they tear it open. They can't wait to see what's in there for them and to take that as theirs. 
And man, I want us to be those people. I want us to carry that forward. And he says, here's water. What's to stop me from being baptized? They stop right then, right there, and they get baptized. And if that is you, I don't care if you put it in the comments section. I don't care if you call me, 512-825-7610, whatever it is. And if the Lord is calling you right now, and you are ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, tear it open. Take it now. That don't wait, don't hesitate. It is for yours. It is, it is eternal life that is freely given. That he loves you how you are. That he made you in his own image. That he hurts for you. And that he died for your sins on the cross. And that is who we are. So we're going to close with this song. And, and I, I love this song. And, and it just speaks to this really rich, simple, profound idea of wading into the water of being baptized, of what God is doing in that moment and in our lives and who he is. So as we close out this morning, I know this is a new song for us as a church, but I I want you to sing. I want you to look at the lyrics of this song and think about the truth about who Jesus Christ is in your life. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.